coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Subscribe to me on Patreon, I guess. And there's some other stuff, but I always forget it. Um, yeah, welcome back. So uh, we got some really big shout outs. If you hadn't noticed on Twitter for last week's podcast, I did feel like I kind of threw my shoulder into it. And I guess that worked. I, I know I even got John Bosch. And Zach Reed commenting on specifically last week's episode. So more shoulder weight throwing into the podcast, I guess, works. Um, this one, I'm hoping is good. I hope they're all good, but it's much more of a stream of consciousness. If you're new because of those big shout-outs I got, hey, hey, buddy, did, did you leave yet? <laughs> no, welcome in. Uh, I, I still don't know how to describe this podcast. It started out between me and a film grader arguing was the premise, and then the film grinder felt like he won, I guess. No, uh, he had to leave because he had life, had a life. Um, and now it's more of a nerd stream of consciousness. I do try and keep the episode 30 minutes or less, uh, one subject at a time, whether it's a myth or it's every now and again a truism that can help us out in dynasty football uh, or just fantasy football in general. Um, uh, so I do try and keep it contained to one subject, but this... As I mentioned last week, I'm deep into trying to update my prospect MS, market share, whatever database that's public, which I hope most people found me through because that data is actually kind of difficult to get in one place, especially for free. And that's why I started doing it. And yeah, it's, it's a yeah, I mentioned it last week, but I'm deep into the middle of it. I really feel sleazy every time I mention things I do or places you can find me, especially Patreon, which, you know, because it's money. But most of my Patreon stuff's free. I host the link that goes to the Google Sheet that is free for everyone for this database I'm updating right now that tells us about rookies before we get combine, even combine numbers, hopefully a little bit um, on there and stuff like that. Um, I do keep some stuff you know, for Patreon only, of my monster paywall, of having much you want to pay, really. 
like a dollar i think is the minimum amount you can do in a transaction so that's 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 the base rate but if you want to pay more like there are a few using the year like i i just i feel sleazy but the people that support me on there are just rocking heroes so i just wanted to mention specifically about this database I anthropomorphize things way too much, probably, but I think my laptop's just tired. Like, I got I got into my rookie database, and I was thoroughly impressed with my little business laptop, just going to town on these sheets, opening up, closing them, leaving life formulas, like, like not the quadrillion cells that Matt Spencer talks about, but a lot, okay? It takes a lot, and sometimes it slows down, or it takes me five minutes to run a calculation through a through a thread if that was way too nerdy and you've already left thanks thanks for trying i appreciate it but anyway it gets tired but specifically over the last two days like it's just refused to open some sheets it was opening and closing regularly over the last couple of days so i don't know if computers are like me and they're just tired of my shit and they're like nah that's enough this path, this well-worn path between you, Dropbox, and that 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 data is just no. I cannot walk that road anymore. But like, it's got all the signs of me, basically just slowly wearing down through age, I guess. Um, and it's not really that long. But um, yeah. I, anyway, so back on point, Pete. Um, I've been playing with a while for. Uh, actually investing um some money instead of just donating it to other people and also patreons are the reason i was able to update a lot of my databases better than they were when i before i started patreon because basically it pays for my subscriptions to rotoviz and and streamyard that's how i do most of my content and lots of my updated data collection now and zach reed once actually paid for me just to get behind a paywall to see if there's anything worth seeing um so yeah shout out to him too but i've been saving up the little bits of leftovers or from those subscriptions all season and like it's not a lot it was a lot to me which would make you laugh if you saw the amount but i've just felt so bad for my laptop uh tonight i'm really tired sorry guys um i i finally pulled the trigger on a nice happy little budget desktop that Addison Hayes from DLF now, and also the original founder of FF uh, Statistics, um, helped me find. And I'm really nervous because I spent money and I'm not good at that. And um, yeah, but the only like the only reason I could do it at all was for Patreon. So I feel sleazy even mentioning it. But the only reason this tired little laptop's going to get a slight upgrade, I, I'm like tripling my processing power and nearly doubling my ram which apparently are both good things i'm told so hopefully it'll be a little quicker to get some of this stuff done and i'll have to worry about my laptop smoking a little less so i just wanted to say i i'm obviously sleazy as hell for mentioning it but patreons are pretty much heroes in my mind and like you did it guys you finally you finally got me an upgrade and i want to say thank you very much it, it's coming and I, as soon as i figure out how to turn it on i'll start using it so yeah thanks guys 
Um, and for that reason, it really pushed me to create a, you know, the database that I'm talking about. And we're going to get back to talking about players. And specifically, I think the, the uh, theme of this one is going to be conference. Last week, I talked about age and rookies. This week, I really want to talk about some of the things I've been learning about conference because it's not an area I've explored a lot and I've started to. But just quickly, um, I've got a version of my database ready, obviously, as I work on it. And I've got I think a lot of cool new things in there. So I managed to get that online and I'm going to post it on Patreon for patrons only. It's not going to be patrons only, just like it's always freaking been. Everyone's going to get it. But like I've got a not ready yet version. I mean, I don't even have combine stats attached to my new system yet. So combine stats are just missing. But NFL stats, player stats, they should all be right, but I'm still running through verification to check my formulas are working right. Um, so it's subject to change, but I wanted like a big thank you, and weirdly, that's the biggest thing I got. So on Patreon today, there'll be a post dropping with a link to the database in its current form with 144, I think it is, rookies, or at least I have 144 data births. Um, for rookies from the 2021 class so i've got my first update out and it's on patreon as you know really thank you because i really appreciate it i even had reggie qs the other day if i i allowed film grinders to join yeah it's a welcoming community if you just want to come in and hear about all the things that you don't care about yeah welcome in Um i know i need your opinions i hope you find some of mine valuable i guess um or at least entertaining so Enough of that. You know where you're going to be able to find it. You can, you'll be able to find it pinned to my Twitter timeline eventually. Um, and I'll repost all my little tables that I use the most underneath it, just like the current. You can see the current database without a lot of 2020 rookies still pinned to my Twitter timeline. So you still got it. You just don't have the rookie uh, this year's rookie class or some of the updates I've done. So I can actually talk about rookies now a little bit from the 2021 class. You know, subject to change and stuff. But I know some things, or I've cursory glanced at some things whilst, you know, bleary-eyed staring at my spreadsheet and trying to fix formulas. Um, And I wanted to mention some of it um, and also get into age and conference and how that special mix hasn't worked out for me and why I think it might not have. Because I'm really digging more into conference um, with Matt Spencer, at Matt Spencer on Twitter's urging um, because of some of the data he dumped on me, and, and his insurance that he's getting better results using it. Um, all right, so really important to know who who you're listening to, if you're listening to me at all at this point, and I haven't faded away, um, where they're coming from. And, and this is where I'm coming from. I don't know, I don't know anything about college. Like, n- nothing. Like, I, take the 2021 class. Please. No, I mean, um, there are two names that turned up at the fa- fairly high in my pre-draft uh, model, which sounds so nerdy, but it's basically just meant to describe how productive a player was compared to past players in his situation as best as a fake nerd can do, basically. But I noticed two names that I've heard a lot about, so it's not like names don't filter through in my, into my little no-college-knowing bubble, and that's Rondon Moore and Jamar Chase. I've, I've seen people debating which is better quite often on Twitter while trying to pay attention to NFL stuff. So um, I know those names. That's a good thing. I also know Rashad Bateman because I did a lot of work on Tyler Johnson last year and I, someone who I still think has a lot 
of potential in him, and I still can't believe what happened to him in the draft. And I'm still mad about it. We're moving on. Um, so I know I knew Rashad Bateman had done pretty well up to this point anyway. Um, and all three names come in the top tier, if you will, of my uh, of my pre-draft uh, look at them. Uh, subject to change. Um, but all of these others, honestly, th- I might be about to name people that make Zach Reed do, do a whole Justin Watson thing and mock me for the rest of time. Because... I, Oklahoma seems like it's a big, like it could be a big football place. It's in the Big 12. It's a significant conference in terms of draft capital, at least. So maybe Oklahoma State is a team people, I don't know, Tylen Wallace looks pretty good in my model. He's got an age 19 breakout age, age uh, 20% threshold and a 30% threshold. I'm really more tired than I thought I was. Just realized that. Also, someone called um, Chaterius, I really murdered that name, Atwell from Louisville, which is just down the road from me. Um, but in the ACC Conference Atlantic Division, in parentheses, apparently. Um, really interested in his production and digging into that more, if that's a person you've heard of. Elijah Moore from Mississippi uh, is a man with a name and also a pretty good production profile so far, just looking at the brief numbers. Um, uh, Tamarion Terry, I really... Mer- God, I hope no players ever listen to me. Um, but he he's from Florida State. Again... It's the ACC, so I'm going to assume people know his name. He's got a really good production profile, just looking at the baseline numbers. Um, And that's really my top tier right now, I would say, along with the three names that I already knew in terms of what their numbers look on overall. But Rondon Moore is actually, I'm not going to tell you who I like the most because I really don't know, but he's how I want to get into talking about conference. Talking about age last week, talking about conference this week. Rondon Moore had one of the best age 18 seasons ever. What what does that mean? Well, he, he had a fantastic season at age 18 in, in the, what was it? Big 10 West Conference, which is, is apparently a place. Um, but he had a 38% dominator uh, at age 18. For, ex- for example, players that go to on to have a top 24 season in the NFL, average about a 23% dominator age 18. So it is summarily high for players that produce in the NFL, hence why age adjustments help with any stat that you adjust, which is why age, but I'm not going back to last week. So 38% is particularly high, right? But after that, he played five games and four games, if memory serves, and 2021 is going to have a lot of problem, or 2020 is going to have a lot of problem. That particular year, last year's stats... Because, you know, national pandemic and everything that's going on. So what happened is my pre-draft score discounts and lots of my stats just ignore a player if they don't play eight games. Um, Last year, I went into a lot more detail on the podcast and in videos and articles about how we have to stop adjusting numbers just to make them look good. Because one, that's not an authentic process that's trying to make the player you like look better instead of accepting the reality and knowing the bet of where he is and then going all in because you like him a lot. All in on Tyler Johnson, damn it. Anyway, um, and also because most of the adjustments I see that are made for that effort. Take DK Metcalf, please. I made that joke twice now. Um, Or AJ Brown. Both are made to look better if you adjust the college dominators on a per-game basis. Because of their particular situation, they suffered because of injuries and switching out who was on the team as a wide receiver, one and not. 
But most players that play on the same team don't really suffer that unique circumstance. And Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry played on the same team and both dominated well above average significantly enough they showed up well in models. I do think they kept each other's ceilings because despite being some of the most productive players in the NFL, they don't have some of the best production metrics in college but it was very clearly and easy to notice that they were very productive and they had draft capital so there was no problem there so that was a particular situation with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown if you adjust everyone's college dominator or dominator rating per game then what you end up doing and I wrote a big article it's one of the biggest data research projects I've done for this a couple years ago what happens is you push good players down by adjusting them by a game and you adjust bad players, quote-unquote bad players, up in order to make DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and presumably other players that have been injured playing in a difficult situation and better. So essentially, you get less right, but DK Metcalf looks better. And that's a good player we want to hit on higher. Instead, I think a better process is to note the particular circumstance that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown was playing in, which is what Jake was able to push force me into when we were doing that year's class, and accept that situation as singular and unique, and then take their individual years when they were healthy and consider them. So I don't adjust per per game, because it makes results worse. It's not a thing we should do for Dominator and college statistics, at least for the most part. Um... Uh, PPR points are different. Points per game is significant, but um, that's specifically for running backs. So largely it's something I don't do. So instead, if a player doesn't play a full season, I find it unfair to judge them for it because it could be DK Metcalf, but I don't want to go per game. So I discount that season and judge them for the years that they've played. This leads to situations where you've got, not Brandon I because he played two full years. One was good, one was bad. But players only play one good year that's particularly good later. Hopefully, what happens more often is a player who plays at a later age at a high production level actually just started playing later. It's something I call the Calvin Ridley rule, or you could call it the AJ Green rule for who it should really originally be named, but I was late to the game. Haven't been doing this forever. Um, but when I look back, I found AJ Green had a similar later breakout age for the same reason. He, he produced really well for his age in the years he played. He just only played at a later age because of the particular rules of how how he could go to college, I guess. So, what was I talking about? It's really early. At this point, it's not even late. It's early. Okay, give me a break. All right, where was I? So, Rondo Moore. So, what I did is I rewrote my, my little formula there to do something slightly different for players that played multiple seasons, but had multiple seasons with less than eight games. And that I took the college production they did have and divided it between the years they actually played. So, it's some kind of natural adjustment. It's not really a per-game adjustment, but it's just spreading it out. So, if they have two good years and one bad year... Um, I can still do an average. If it have one good year and two years that don't count, it just spreads that good year or that bad year, for that matter, over a larger sample. So they don't get the full bump of their one year, but they also get some kind of pre-draft score, essentially. It, it's purely done so I could get those players' pre-draft scores. So in a sense, it's kind of a bad process, but I was interested to see what would happen. So essentially... Rondell Moore's production is getting divided by three in that one particular dominator over average uh, for his age number. So the rest of his stats are just really good. 
that's why he's coming up so high. But he actually has the highest pre-draft score in my model right now. And I know for a fact it's because he didn't play enough games those last these last two years. So how, how to put this in reference. I would have had a lot easier time and still will be having a lot easier time persuading people that Jalen Rager is good right now if he had just had an ankle injury in his last season. He wasn't as dominant at age 18, but he was very dominant young and did very well through all metrics that I can look at. He had an average problem, not a best year or overall production problem. And that's the way I ended up saying it in his profile video on YouTube or somewhere. Um, at the time, and that's still where I'm at, I think Jalen Rager is one of the premium prospects in a very strong draft class. It still might not work out. Not being Justin Jefferson is certainly not as good as being Justin Jefferson, but that's why I put him in my first tier, along with Justin Jefferson, and along with... Who was the other guy? I literally... It's Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, thank you, and Jalen Ragor, because I liked his numbers, and I thought that last year, which, once I looked into the situation from Film Grinders more, they were like, well, his quarterbacks had problems and lot. I was like, all right, so I can kind of accept that there's a particular situation adjusting him down overall, and he did really well the rest of the time. So it is, that's one, Rondon Moore... Um, and Jalen Rager remind me of each other because they have the opposite problem. Because Jalen Rager played that last season, he looks worse. But because Rondo Moore didn't, he may look phenomenally better because he had such a good rookie. It's hard to be this good, especially this good, over a longer period of time. And I think his numbers would have come down slightly overall if he had played a full college season. So his pre-draft score and his production looks a little high because of it, because we didn't see him, you know, have his bad times, because we all have our bad times, right? And having said that, that one year is really, really good, and it's put him at the top of my pre-draft model right now. So I'm a big fan of Rondell Moore, but I don't know if I like him more than Jamal. I want to dig through the singular context and some of the other metrics first, but that's where I'm at right now. Moore scores higher, but there's a big question mark. Jamar Chase has none of that problems. He broke out at age 19 at both threshold levels, 20 and 30, which is just, it, it's really good. It, it, it's a bad average for players that do well in the NFL. It's also a bad average for players, which is why age 18 has such a special kind of significance bias in my head. But he played... Um, two seasons, but look of it just scanning across here, had a 15% dominator his rookie year, or age 18, which is decent. It's a really good rookie year uh, dominator score. Walk onto a field and get 15% of the team's production, I notice, right? Um, and it had a 32% at age 19, which apparently was last year, which is a really good score as well. So by age, they both show up. So how do I get from here to conference? Speaking of age... Um, or well, speaking of conference for that matter, some research that I was doing for Jordan McNamara's um, next Dynasty of Analytics book, he asked me to write a, a chapter in it, which was a big honor, which I probably screwed up, but I tried my best at it, um, was looking at conference specifically, because I have found no useful adjustments. Like I just per, uh, very little, I just per age in college metrics, and that's about it. And usually the problems with adjustments is, one, the reason for doing it can't be to make some players look better. It has to come from 
providing more signal or more explanation of NFL stats when you do R-squared testing or whatever kind of testing you want, or because of, you know, some film stuff I don't understand, so I can't draw an analogy right now. Routes, I guess. I don't know. So, um... Looking at conferences, some things that I now know is the SEC counts for the largest percentage of players breaking out in the NFL at the wide receiver position. The ACC accounts for the second highest percentage within a given decent sample size. I think it was between 2003 and 2017. That's usually, you know, I I give it three years. So that's my usual sample size. The ACC accounts for about 15% um, of all wide receiver breakouts to have at least one top 24 season in that time. So... One way I can connect age and conference to you and why I look looking at past results from my models it's very clear that conference matters. Not team, I have yet to find even reason to care. But conference I get. You're playing in basically a different league. It's like trying to compare NFL players to college players, right? No college team would be in an NFL team, pr- presumably. But um, it obviously matters, but what's the problem here? Well, if I look at the ACC and take my typical sample size, I've got like a bajillion player seasons. Obviously, I have all of them. Not as many as Matt Spencer, whatever. I'm, who's kidding? But I have about 393 different players from the ACC alone um, that have played within that time period. Um, have I got this photo? so tired yeah between 2003 and uh, and 2017 or whatever with date of birth so i have their numbers so the sample that would go into the database for example um at the wide receiver position of those players i have about 70 if memory serves age 18 seasons now, that's a significant enough sample size that you can start drawing conclusions i'm, I'm pretty confident on that but actually if include 17-year-olds. It changed sort of a few 17-year-old seasons in here. Um, but yeah, there are 48 players that have played at age 17 or age 18 in the ACC within this huge, you know, 10, uh, what is it, year sample size. That's relatively few players that have actually played in the ACC who ever played at 18. So here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that means because there is a significant question here, like how many players actually get drafted in the first round with an age 23 breakout age? Zero. So does it matter that older player, older breakout ages drafted in the first round matters? Maybe not, but all I can do is count what we think significant and then see how many times it works out. And when I do that with age, and specifically with breakout, again, when you adjust metrics by age, they always get more predictive or explanatory. So it just works. Um, but when I look at my breakout table... The overall trend does suggest over and over again, no matter how I look at it, that being more productive young gives you a better likelihood of being good in the NFL by draft round, even once you adjust for draft round, specifically when you adjust for draft round as well. So, there, and that question came up because, you know, Jake Anderson asked me point blank when we were arguing over a player with a later breakout age and in an earlier round, well, how many players have even been drafted with that breakout age? And there is a smaller sample problem, but the overall trend suggests that we should lean younger is a better signal, not necessarily that the older player is bad, but he has lower chance of hitting based on the number of times it happens. Because here's a quintessential difference, and I was finding this talking on Twitter with people about last week's episode, and specifically about breakout age. I don't think being age 18 when you do something makes you better. All I know is I can count it and see how many times it works out. Because I, 
I think most people that aren't interested in it or hear me talking about statistics thinks he's talking about numbers, so he thinks he's smarter. I think I'm dumber. I don't know if they're good or not. So I want to see how many times a player did something and then turned out to be good, and is that more or less than when they did something else? I'm talking second grade level mathematics here. Percentages. Just give me an idea of that, if that often works out or doesn't often work out, and I'll move from there. Because I literally don't know. I don't even know if the players I just mentioned are even players that will be drafted. Apart from, you know, Chase and Moore, I assume. Because... Ray GQ on the Devi Dynasty podcast talks about them a lot, so that yeah, I'm assuming those players will get drafted. Um, the thing about traits and routes and information that people like Zach Reed and Jake Anderson and Ray GQ are able to extract from film is that it's such laborsome, intensive work, and they're so incomparable. Like they have good routes, but in so many multiple different ways or whatever that there's no real way to quantify it and then count it and then see how many times that works out. So you have to rely on a certain, I don't know, I don't know what it is that these magicians are able to do, knowledge or understanding of how it will translate into the NFL. I don't know that. I don't have that. I can't count it. That's why I need to take in the opinions of that of people who can and that's why i listen to people that watch tape that i respect that have a process like zach reed and radio q and everyone else because i need to add to it all i'm doing here is me as a moron who does not know get an idea of what the odds are and where the likelihoods are that's it it's not because i think i know more it's because i know for a fact i definitely know less than you know the nfl or the players or you know film magicians about what makes a good player. I can count these things because I can easily define them and then I can easily define what doing well in the NFL is and see how well they connect. Second grade reasoning over here. But, you know, if some of those names I mentioned that are turning up high are the right names, then I did it without literally knowing if Oklahoma is a football place or not. Like, are they into basketball? Is... Is that a basketball state? I don't know. But I know Tyler Wallace was really productive in that situation. I'm assuming someone will let me know if that's stupid or not the minute I post this. And I really appreciate it, guys. And I, I didn't conclude my point. The thing with conferences, um, I think it's fairly significant. But why I don't, I struggle to find use of it is... If you keep dividing your sample size first by age and then by conference, it gets too small. We're already talking about looking for a desire group or a group that we're aiming for of in that time period around, what, 76 wide receivers have broken out uh, over the last 10, 15 years to a significantly high degree that, you know, their fantasy hits or whatever um, through the last 10 years or so. That's numbers off the top of my head, so I might be a little off, but it's not a lot. And then you look at only 76 players ever playing in the ACC at age 18, and then you're going to adjust by the conference and the age. It's just, it gets narrower and narrower. And I think that's why conference adjustments haven't been working overly well for me as someone who primarily starts with a thing he can count and then see if it works out. I'm already just shrinking it to age. And then when you're trying to dr- shrink that to conference as well, I think it um, plays merry hell with the problems 
just basic problems of adjustment. So I do think conference is important. I'm really digging it into it this year and this off season. And my database has a whole range of conference stats um, running throughout it that you'll be able to see uh, the minute I finish it and get it up there and out for you. Or if you happen to be on Patreon, you can already see some of them. Um, and I'm really trying to find a way of looking at it. But it's definitely a thing I want to start looking at more, even if I can't fit it into an adjustment for production, because it does matter. Some examples from that um, Jordan McNamara chapter I'm writing, if you look at wide receivers that do hit from different conferences, there are very different, very clear thresholds um, for to the best stats, yards between pass attempt, which actually turns out to test better than yards per team attempt for wide receiver. Interestingly, and I want to go into that at some point. Um, e- even the best or the average year, even if you just look at best and average year that they had. For example, in the ACC, the average dominator of a player who hits in the NFL um, in their best year it was around 48%. And again, that's out for the second biggest sample size we have of hits. And um, Whereas in the SEC, it was 34%. So you've got like a... You've got like a, what is that? I can't count now. 14% difference between what a good dominator looks like, whether you're coming from the ACC or the SEC. Now, overall, if you look by age or if you look at the averages, they get a little slimmer and a little closer together, which is how I'd looked at conference before. But if you look specifically at best year, the heights of production and yards per team pass attempt, which is something I've only recently started looking at long after I looked at conference, there's some more significant differences there. So uh, another random one, the the Pac-10, which I don't think is a conference anymore, by the way, but uh, only one wide receiver broke out from there. Okay, in this time frame, I'm going to use a different one and four wide receivers have broken out from the pack 12 in a recent sample size their average yards per team pass attempt was 1.71 in college before they went to the nfl if you go to the mwc mountain west conference i think to remember from something else the average yards per team pass attempt for a player that broke out in the nfl was 2.5 so Again, significantly higher. So there is a way I can at least evaluate whether a stat player's stats are high or low, even if I don't think I can adjust their production metrics for it. And so there's a way I can start folding it into my evaluation a little bit more, hopefully. So anyway, that that was a long addendum or conclusion to a point I was saying earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know where I'm wrong on any... Like, let me know if those are players that people know about or, or not. Um, and, yeah, uh, anything like, want to talk some football statistics, call me in a whatever, hit me up on Twitter, at PA Howdy, anytime. Really appreciate it, guys, more than you'll know. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. Talk to you again next week, hopefully with more sleep. Bye. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so... Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. 
Jake on the table when they phone the place though He enumerates the plays they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table when they phone the place though He enumerates the plays they're analytical